As if the transfer portal isn't crazy enough already, now we're talking about getting rid of the one-time transfer rule and giving student-athletes as many transfers as they want? Come on. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, July 22nd, 2022. It's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, dad. I hope you're enjoying your brand new Snoopy hat. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels, which by the way is the only daily North Carolina podcast out there, your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that the show is free and available anywhere you get podcasts. So, very easy. Go ahead and subscribe right now for those of you watching. Smash the like button and leave some comments as we chat on your thoughts. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, before we get into all this transfer portal business, for those of you watching, you can see the madness that is happening on top of my head. Uh, for those of you who are listening, let me explain it to you. My hair is froed out right now. Yes. Uh, for those of you who have never seen me, I have long, thick, curly hair, and uh, sometimes it just needs to breathe. And so today is the Friday show, and I thought, you know what? We need to start having froed out Fridays. And so uh, for those of you who have a good hair, uh, head of hair on your head, and you want to let it loose a little bit, go ahead and join me on Fridays, and we'll have froed out Fridays together. So I think I'm going to start doing this every Friday, because you know what? It's fun, and I can. <laughs> okay, let's get into today's business. For um, a little over uh, a year or so now, we've had this one-time transfer rule where um, student athletes who have previously only been, they've been able to transfer, but they have to sit out a year before beginning play. That only applies to certain sports though, uh, men's and women's basketball, football, baseball, men's hockey. Um, the others are just, you know, willy-nilly. However, the Division One Council, it has come out, is talking about, not talking about, they are proposing removing that one-time transfer waiver, not in order to go backwards, but to go forwards, meaning that now there would be zero, no, nada, nunca, no limits on how many times a player could transfer and immediately be eligible as long as he or she met all the academic requirements and other things like that. Um, Nicole Auerbach, who you might be familiar with, a very legitimate um, reporter for Athletic, has won many big journalism awards, so I say that to say very um, trusted um, source, says, uh, said this on Twitter. The Division One Council is recommending that the NCAA get rid of the one-time uh, one part of its transfer rule. 
anyone would be able to transfer and have immediate eligibility if they meet academic standards. Athletes could transfer multiple times and play right away. She goes on in other tweets. This, coupled with transfer windows, which I'm going to get to in a little bit, would allow athletes to compete right away at their new school, again, as long as they have academic eligibility and provide notification of the intention to transfer during the transfer window. Also, there would be an increased burden on the schools that accept transfers. The school will be required to provide financial aid to the student athlete through the completion of the student's five-year period of eligibility or undergraduate graduation. And then she finished by saying, I'm told this is not universally embraced, but that's true of many of the changes the NCAA has coming its way. Whew, okay, um, wow. Uh, I thought I thought we had craziness going on with the one-time transfer rule. Now we're talking about getting rid of that and just letting people f like free agent themselves all over the place until they graduate. <laughs> I do not like this at all. Right out of the gate, I think this is a terrible idea. The the language I, I went on to read the NCAA's actual press release about this as well. Um, and it states it's it's in you know they're trying to do things in the best interests of the student athletes. Funny this this transfer portal stuff is buried at the end of an article like they're trying to hide it because um, there's a whole bunch of other rules um, that they're suggesting changes to. Um, <clears throat> and and ultimately I guess it is um, good for student athletes to be able to go and and do as they see fit. Um, but man, this just feels to me like another bad thing for college athletics. Um, I, personally, I am a big fan of the one-time transfer rule. I think that has been a, a great thing. I think it's, you know, there are headaches caused with it as with anything. There are positives and negatives, but think about any decision you make in life, um, especially one like this about choosing what college you're going to go to. Whether you're an athlete or not, there is no exact science to making these types of decisions. Um, you go somewhere and you visit, you you talk to admissions and recruiters, or if you're an athlete, to, to coaches and current student athletes, former student athletes, all this to try to get your best understanding of the lay of the land. But we all know the truth and the reality. You aren't going to always get it right. You, you think you are, but... Um, Maybe when you're still in high school, even with the best um, wisdom that your parents and others can give you, or guardians or whomever it is can give you, you just can't always figure it out. And sometimes you just make bad decisions based on what you think matters to you. And then you get to college and you realize, oh, I actually care more about this or that, or the playing situation isn't what I thought, or this coach isn't who I thought he or she was. A any of those variables can come into play. And then, at that point, it makes sense to me. Okay, you you missed out and screwed up. Not screwed up, you just didn't choose right for, maybe it's on you, maybe it's not, right? Like, any possibility of reasons. And in that instance, you should be allowed to go and transfer without penalty to play immediately somewhere else. That just makes sense to me. If I went um, because as as Joe Schmo student and I thought I wanted to major in something and I got there and it just that atmosphere wasn't what I thought or the professors weren't what I thought, I can go anywhere else, anywhere else I want to. 
Um, and that's great. But hopefully on round two, I know more about what I'm looking for. I know more about uh, the, the things that I like, the things that I don't like, what, what I jive with with coaches, what I jive with with teammates and things like that. But I just think that that making it a, a free for all, the in, free agency essentially the entire time, that's just that's too much. Um, the there is already uh, an obese number of people in the transfer portal every year, and we got to cut down on that. Again, we don't get things right the first time, but we need to have room and ability to change after that. And I know that not everyone even uses the one-time transfer rule appropriately, you know, but, but that's true of anything again. And so I just think we've got something good with that. Let's try, let's let it be for a couple years and see how things normalize as we come out of COVID as NIL settles in all of that. Um, but no, again, no limits on transferring immediately without, uh, w while having immediate eligibility. I am out on that for me transfer once immediately eligible but then after that if you want to transfer again you got to sit out a year like that just it works it makes sense there's already so much headache for um coaches coaching staffs with roster management can you imagine making it this even this isn't just one step worse this is multiple steps worse because it's unlimited transfers while you still have eligibility and other things like that. Yikes. Now, this hasn't been fully approved, but it will be voted upon in August uh, by the board that it's been passed on to. And so my fingers are crossed that they will say no to this, or at least let's table it. Let's wait and let the one-time transfer rule play out for longer. Now, I, I skipped over it, I said we'd come back to it, but Nicola Auerbach's tweet also mentioned transfer portal windows. What's that all about? I'll tell you in just a minute after I talk to you about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball, which is just coming out of the All-Star break. Games are getting back underway this weekend. It's awesome. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering info, including live betting, eSports, and scores. And it's the best spot for all your podcasts and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so now we're, we got to talk about this, this transfer portal window possibility. Because the transfer portal has been great. In, in theory, it's a wonderful thing. And, and in large part in practice, it has been as well. It provides a legitimate NCAA-sanctioned system through which student-athletes um, can notify and declare their intentions to transfer to where it's, it's very legitimate. Other schools can get on this and see it and see who's out there for their sport, and it's just um, it's, it's good to have an official system through which student-athletes can um, officially transfer. <laughs> 
Now, we know that um, more often than not, the issue is that there are too many people in the transfer portal and not enough spots for all of them. And so that that happens and yeah, you feel bad for that. But that's not what we're here to talk about. The negative for me and I'm sure for coaches who are trying to figure out what their rosters look like is there has been no timeline, no parameters. It's just it's just open. It's like Walmart, 24-7, Waffle House, 24-7, come and eat all the waffles you want at 3 a.m., right? Um, and w- the the issue is, is that we need to just, just put some parameters on this, let's call it what it is, free agency. The professional sports leagues, they have parameters, they have timelines and windows on their um, free agency. And so it makes sense for the NCAA to do so as well. All the more so to be true if what we just talked about with the removal of the one-time transfer rule um, is blown up in favor of, hey, transfer as many times as you want. We have to find more ways to continue to regulate the transfer portal. And so the Division I Council is working to do that. They are proposing portal entry windows. And these entry windows will vary for all three of the college NCAA sports seasons. There's fall, winter, and spring sports. And so um, straight from the NCAA's website, from their release about it, here is the language about these transfer portal windows. For winter and spring sports, winter and spring, again, students could provide written notification of transfer the day after NCAA championship selections in that sport for 60 calendar days. I'm going to explain this and unpack it to the best of my understanding. In fall sports, two separate windows would provide a total of 60 calendar days. The first window would be 45 days beginning the day following championship selection, and the second would be from May 1 to May 15. Additionally, reasonable accommodations will be made for participants in the football bowl division, excuse me, football bowl subdivision and football championship subdivision championship games. So let's unpack all this. What does all this language mean? What are these transfer windows look like? And all of that. So um, basically, any sport is going to have 60-day windows in which student-athletes can declare their transfer portal intentions. For winter and spring athletes, it's for the 60 days um, starting the day after the championship selections are made. For fall sports, it's going to be the 45 days right after that, and then 15 more days, May 1 to May 15, just to make up for how early in the academic calendar that is, plus spring practices and things like that. Again, similar to the transfer uh, one-time transfer rule changes, this is this is not a set thing yet. This also has to be voted upon and brought in. So here's what, let me unpack just in kind of um, actual terms what I understand that this would mean so that we can all kind of wrap our heads around it. So again, for um, winter and spring sports, written notification the day after NCAA championship selections in that sport for 60 calendar days. So let me give you an example. I'm assuming this means, for example, in men's basketball, which is a winter NCAA sport, the Monday after the NCAA championship selections, I'm understanding that to mean, for men's college basketball, the March Madness selection show, which last year, 
happened on Sunday, March 13th. So that means day one of this transfer portal window would be Monday, Mar have been Monday, March 14th. And then day 60 would be Thursday, May 12th. So you've got all the way up through May 12th this past year, if it was a thing, to declare your intention to transfer. What's nice about that is that is very um, similar to uh, the time period in which you have to have declared for the NBA draft as well. And so it'd be nice specifically for men's basketball for all that to come in. What about a spring sport? It, oh, it, it works under those same guidelines as winter sports, 60 days starting the day after the NCAA championship selection. So you, let's use baseball as an example. This past year, baseball, which is a spring sport, the NCAA tournament field was announced on Monday, May 30th. That means day one would have been Tuesday, May 31st. And that day 60 of the transfer portal window would be Friday, July 29th, which is one week from today if you're watching this on the day it releases, July 22nd. Now, what about fall sports and, and the breakup of these two windows? Let's use football since it's the biggest and most well-known. Um... Last year, the college football playoff final rankings and bowl game matchups were revealed on Sunday, December 5th. And so that means that Monday, December 6th, would have been day one. And remember, there's just 45 days in this first period for fall sports. So that means day 45 is Wednesday, January 19th. Again, this is this past season. And that then days 46 through 60 would have been uh, May 1 through 15, that second transfer portal window. Now, a, a couple things that I'm curious to see what comes out of this. Um, remember, the, the verbiage is um, following championship selection. Now, the thing is, is that it is championship selection, but keep in mind, the CFP, the college football playoff, is not an NCAA-run entity. It is its own separate entity. So specifically for football, I'm assuming they're still going to go with the day after um, all the bowl pairings are released, but that, that's a little bit up in the air since that's not NCAA-specific. We'll have to see. The other thing is they say, um, remember, reasonable accommodations will be made for participants in the national championship game, basically, for football. Um, the reason they have to say that is because that that first period of 45 days would have ended this past year on January 19th. The national championship game was on Monday, January 10th. That's just a nine-day window for those two participating teams. And honestly, for the others, there's not much time either. There's others that go well into January. And so um, they, there's no specificity given to what those quote-unquote reasonable accommodations will be. And so super curious to hear, because like, they're going to have to give more specificity um, to that in turn, you know, I don't know if it's maybe like, hey, let's extend it by 10 days or whatever that's going to look like. We got to find out more about that. So um, while I'm wholeheartedly against the um, removal of the one-time transfer waiver and letting it be free reign, I love the transfer portal window concept, um, both for coaches. I love it for student athletes. I love it for fans who are trying to figure out what their rosters are going to look like. It just makes sense to regulate these things. And the NCAA has often been behind on doing so. They, they drag their feet on so many things and then everything gets all out of whack.
And so hopefully this will go through and bring some sanity to the transfer portal. Okay, now, speaking of transfer and roster management issues, one of the things I, I want to see is how did first-year head coach Hubert Davis do at keeping his roster intact in this day and age where you got to re-recruit your whole roster? Well, luckily for us, ESPN's Jeff Borzello on Thursday released an article with national roster retention rankings for college basketball. He gave a breakdown for it, ranked the top 20, and guess what? I got the results for you. Where did the Tar Heels land? We're going to find out in just a second. But first, let me remind you, you wondering which NFL stars are going to move the betting line the most this year? Out now, Locked On gives you the most 50 valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. This is available now on Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so, um, you know, it's really interesting as, as we talk about transfer portals and transfer windows to look at is is roster retention a big deal or is it just like in terms of on-court success or do we just like it because we want to know the names and faces and stories of the players that everyone's cheering for well on-court success seems to say that roster retention is a big deal look at <clears throat> teams who made it to the final four last year it's not the teams that win the offseason in recruiting. And that's not necessarily a, a shot across the bow at, at the Kentuckys and the Dukes of the world. It's just the reality of it. Yes, every now and then a, a freshman-laden team is going to come through and win a national championship. But more often than not, they're going to lose out to the returning experienced talent. And we saw that this year. Kansas who won the national championship, brought back a very intact roster from the year before. <clears throat> Same was true for Carolina. Yes, they added in Brady Manick, and, um, but everybody out of that, the rest of the Iron Five, was all coming back from the year before. And so on-court results show that roster retention is a big deal. Now, sometimes there is uh, addition by subtraction for some teams, but more often than not, it is true that bringing back experienced talent is a benefit to a team, especially one that is in a, in a high major conference. However, we also have to recognize this is extremely difficult to do, especially in the era of the one-time transfer portal rule that we've been talking about, which could be worse soon. It's difficult in the era of NIL where players can go elsewhere and, and get a bag drop for them, whatever it is. So ESPN's Jeff Borzello developed a national retention rankings top 20 that he released um, yesterday on Thursday, as well as a conference-by-conference conference breakdown for the major six basketball conferences, um, ranking all of those conferences' teams in order, as well as some notables that are outside of those six conferences. For, for those who are wondering, those six would be ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, and Big East. So the question, obviously, for us on this show is, are the Tar Heels in that list of the top 20? If not, we have the whole ACC rankings, and where do they fall? Well, we don't have to re, um, revert to just looking at the ACC rankings because Carolina is in this list of the top 20 teams in the nation in terms of retaining their roster. Not only are they on it, 
they're fourth in the nation on this list. Now, that on the face of it, you might think, but wait a second, we lost Dawson Garcia, we lost Anthony Harris, we lost Curran Walton, we lost Brady Manick, those first three guys all to the transfer portal, and obviously Brady Manick ran out of eligibility and is off trying to make it with the Charlotte Hornets right now. Go Brady, you got this, bro. But first off, keep in mind, in this day and age, everyone is losing people to the transfer portal. It's not something that is just weird for North Carolina right now. It's like, oh, we lost three guys to the transfer portal. No, no, no. This is happening everywhere. I haven't broken it down yet, but that like the percentage of Division One teams who lost at least one player to the transfer portal, but it is very high. I can, with assurance, having not done the research, tell you that. Also think of this, of the three transfers that North Carolina lost, think of their impact on the team. Dawson Garcia, when was his last game? January 22nd. Anthony Harris, when was his last game? January 8th. <clears throat> Kerwin Walton obviously finished out the season, but let's just put it this way. In Carolina's six NCAA tournament games, he played in precisely two of them, the blowout against Marquette in the first round and the blowout against St. Peter's in the Elite Eight. In fact, in those, he played the final 338 against Marquette and the final 121 against St. Peter's. Not exactly, unfortunately, not exactly, someone who's contributing a lot to the team. And so, all that to say, you're not losing three, the three transfers that you're losing are not guys that were making a huge impact, meaningful impact on the team. And I hate to say that, but it's the reality that we have to face. But it's a good reality in terms of thinking towards this year and bringing talent back. Meanwhile, even though you lose those guys, you hang on to all the studs that you can bring back. You convince Leaky Black to come back for year five. Armando Baycott to <clears throat> come back for his normal senior year. Caleb Love, RJ Davis to come back. Plus a whole bunch of of um, your role players who could have, you know, somebody like DeMarco Dunn, who's like, I didn't get to do much of anything last year. I'm out. Um, all of those guys stayed too. Plus you bring in this four-person freshman class. Well done, Hubert Davis and staff on re-recruiting and, and to be in that top four in these rankings. And I know it's subjective. It doesn't win you anything, but it's not a bad thing to be ranked top four in the nation in bringing back your talent. And so to me, um, when you narrowly miss a national championship, obviously there's this big incentive and that, that probably helps bring back a lot of these guys quite naturally. But I mean, so much of this is a kudos to the coaching staff for creating an environment that these young men want to be a part of. Now, when we look at the ACC rankings of this, Carolina is not the highest rated ACC team. Virginia is. They're actually second on this list. But the other two teams above Carolina in this top four, number one is TCU and Dayton is number three. Neither team that really holds a lot of water nationally that I'm, I'm concerned about. And so um, this is great. And you got to feel great about that consistency headed into this year. You know why? Because experience wins. And talent wins, but experienced talent wins a lot. 
And that's exactly what Carolina has coming to them. Not to mention Pete Nance, who has not been a Tar Heel before, but has a lot of experience, as we've talked about ad nauseum now. As for the rest of the ACC, you can go look at the list, but I will tell you who's at the bottom of this list. You can probably guess it's Duke. They lost a ton of guys to the NBA draft, all of that. Hey, but Jeremy Roach is back. Heck, even Joey Baker left for greener pastures, and so yikes for Duke. But as for the Tar Heels, experience wins, talent wins, experience talent wins a lot. And I don't know about you, but I'm very excited about that reality. And that is a great place to end this week of Locked on Tar Heels. Man, what a great time to chat this week. Uh, Really interesting stuff today with this transfer portal. And then what Carolina's bringing back on the basketball side of things for the men in terms of returning talent. Very excited for that. Speaking of which, next week, Coach Pat Kilby, and I will break down the game of one Mr. R.J. Davis. Looking forward to that. Thanks so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Would love to hear your thoughts. If you'd comment on uh, on all this transfer portal craziness, would, would love to hear where your head's at. Smash that like button as well if you would. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen today. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of the Locked on ACC teams take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Hey, thanks so much again for spending part of your week hanging out with me talking Carolina sports. What a joy. What a fun time it is. I hope that you have a phenomenal weekend. Throw out that hair and remember, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next week, peace.